Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, The Spectator's Daily Politics Podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. Speaking to Laura Koonsberg after resigning on Wednesday, former Immigration Minister Robert Jenrick was disparaging in his assessment of the government's new Rwanda legislation, claiming it was weak and wouldn't work. Explaining his resignation, he said that he couldn't be the minister guiding that bill through Parliament. Jenrick implied he had a better understanding of the issue than the Prime Minister and that a political choice had been made to bring forward a bill which wouldn't do the job. He suggested that under the proposed legislation, the Rwanda scheme would be bogged down by migrants' potential legal claims, and this would not act as an effective deterrent. Why did you quit? Well, in government, if you have profound disagreements with the direction of policy, particularly those that you are personally leading, it's right that you step away. And on both illegal and illegal migration, I felt that we were not heading in the right direction. I couldn't be the minister who was guiding this critical bill through Parliament, recommending it to parliamentarians and to the public if I felt, as I do, that it is a weak bill that won't work. The Prime Minister, though, said that your resignation was based on what he described as a fundamental misunderstanding of the situation. Now, do you not understand the plans for Rwanda or does the Prime Minister not understand the plans for Rwanda? Well, I've immersed myself in this issue more than anyone else in government. In fact, the Prime Minister said just the other day that I was probably the minister who knows more about this topic of any that he's met in Europe. So I I think I do understand this issue. He doesn't. He's wrong to say. uh, Well, I respect the Prime Minister. Of course I do. And our disagreement is on this issue. But it is an absolutely totemic one to the future of the Conservative Party and to the public. And I don't believe this bill will work. I think it will lead to... Uh, a a range of legal claims which will bog down our scheme and will not create the deterrent that he and I set out to achieve. And the test for this is not can you get one or two symbolic flights off before the next election with a handful of illegal migrants on them. It's can you create a strong deterrent that is sustainable and stops the boats and protects the borders of this country for years to come. That's what I want to achieve And I'm afraid this bill is not it. And you will not vote for it on Tuesday, therefore? No, I won't be supporting this bill. But I do think we can fix this. And that's what I want to do now. I care about this policy because I care about border security. And I'm determined that we can persuade the government and colleagues in Parliament that there is a better way. In defence of the government's plans, Housing Secretary Michael Gove refuted Robert Jenrick's claim that the scheme would be marred by legal claims. He told Laura Koonsberg that there were only narrow exemptions to the policy and that individuals could only challenge their deportation if there was an immediate risk of serious harm to themselves personally. Gove claimed Rwanda was a safe country, but also suggested that the fact the bill was being criticised on one side of the debate for striking out human rights legislation was evidence that it was the robust measure required. But the point here, Michael Gove, is that Robert Jenrick and some other lawyers very clearly think it will not function as you hope. Some other lawyers do believe that it will be strong, except the Prime Minister has solemnly promised the country that there is no question that it will work, that there's only a vanishingly narrow chance that people will be able to claim things in the courts and hold it up. And there's legal dispute about this. How can he make that promise when the minister who was in charge of the plans is absolutely convinced that that's not true? Because we can all see what's in the bill. Um, And we can see that it very clearly uh, uh, points out that the only way 
in which an individual can challenge deportation is if there is a, uh, an immediate risk of serious and irreversible harm if they were to be deported. And Jonathan Sumption makes it clear this is such a narrow exemption and it has absolutely nothing to do with Rwanda itself. Rwanda is clearly a safe country. Mm -hmm. The legislation makes sure that people can be deported and it deals with many of the cases mm -hmm. and many of the reasons which were used beforehand. But it Robert strikes Jenrick out says, human Jen rights legislation mm -hmm. in a way that some people I know find strong meat and it's because the reaction from those who are critical of the bill on one side is so, uh, so clear that I think that we can take it that this bill is certainly the robust measure required. Robert Jen on Sky News, Trevor Phillips asked Shadow Work and Pension Secretary Liz Kendall about the Home Secretary's recently announced five-point plan to cut legal migration. Kendall claimed Labour had been calling for some of these proposals for some time, but said the government was not addressing the crucial issue of skills shortages. Kendall told Phillips that Labour would enact fundamental reforms of apprenticeships and training to allow for cutting immigration in a way that works for the economy. Well, you're a Leicester MP. Your constituency uh, has historically had a high level of migration, legal migration. Now, um, that's another arm of this topic. The Home Secretary has just unveiled a five-point plan, which he says is going to cut the legal migration numbers, 750,000 thereabout, by 300,000. Uh, do you agree with his plan? Would, and would you keep I think the, the fundamental flaw in the government's approach is that they haven't dealt with the key issue of skill shortages and... I want to come to all of that, but, no, but this would, is, you, which, this is would you keep Trevor. Mr Cleverly's plan, which in, includes stopping dependence, raising the thre threshold at which work visas are granted and so on? So we have been calling for some while for uh, those the, the salary threshold to be increased and for the government to get rid of the 20% uh, discount they've had. But let me tell you what the problem that with is the plan... Short, let me just, that is for shortage on, occupations. You're asked for shortage occupations. So what is the key problem here? We need an immigration system, a legal uh, a migration system that works for our economy. We do not want... Uh, a, a system that is just used to plug gaps because we don't have a proper plan for skills or training in this country. And that has been the prime failure. If you looked... I, I Trevor, you, let I me want just, to ask you about that, but I just, just want to ask you about what's happened this week. Mm -hmm. Cleverly says, I've got a plan, I'm going to cut the numbers by 300,000. He has specifically said what he's going to do. Mm -hmm. And I just want to know whether Labour... We'll well, see, those seeing as measures. we have been calling for the government to, to remove that discount and to raise the salary thresholds, I'm glad they have uh, finally caught up. Okay. But when you have a shortage occupation list that has included engineers for a decade, nurses for more than a decade, that they've only just put bricklayers and other construction workers okay. on it only four months ago. I mean, anybody who knows anything about yeah. building in this country knows we've had that shortage. So the fundamental problem with the government's plan is they haven't got a real plan to give people the skills and the training they need in this country, which is well, why, if you let me yeah, yeah. say okay, our plan, Trevor, Trevor, because uh, people always rightly want to know what we would do, which is why we'll have fundamental reforms of the apprenticeship levy to give employers more flexibility, why we will have new tech 
technical, excellent colleges, which can really focus on what we need in local areas to give people the skills they need, because we are a party who wants to give the British people the skills and the training they need to have the jobs they want to build a better life for themselves and their, and their families. And that is how you deliver a managed and controlled immigration system. Well, you Laura Koonsberg asked Guardian political editor Pippa Carrera about Sunak's difficult week ahead, with an appearance at the COVID inquiry preceding the vote on his Rwanda legislation on Tuesday. Carrera said Sunak had not yet been put under the lens like Boris Johnson and would face difficult questions about his decisions like the Eat Out to Help Out scheme. She claimed that Johnson had been trying to rewrite history at the inquiry, but that the public have made their minds up. Carrera added that the vote on Tuesday was existential for Sunak. It is going to be a busy week. Um, Pippa, what do you think is going to be worse for the Prime Minister, the vote on Tuesday or his appearance at the Covid inquiry tomorrow? So I think the Covid inquiry, people have made their minds up already in this country. We saw that with Boris Johnson's appearance last week. Clearly part of that for him was about trying to rewrite history. But I think, as I say, people have made their minds up. However, there'll be difficult questions for Shishinak because he's not come under the microscope, the lens, in quite the same way that Johnson has on this. Questions like, did he get advice on the Eat Out to Help Out scheme? Was he too gung-ho about opening up? One of his senior scientists described him as Dr Death, the Chancellor. Did he know about parties and toxic atmosphere at number 10? So Monday will be a difficult moment for him at the COVID inquiry. But I think Tuesday, as I said earlier, is existential. It's about holding his party together. And if his party can't stay together for migration, it falls apart and they put themselves in a difficult position going into the next election. Finally, Ukrainian First Lady Olena Zelenska spoke to Laura Koonsberg about the worsening plight of her country in the face of an ammunition shortage for the Ukrainian army. Zelenska made an impassioned plea for the continued support of Western countries saying a lack of support would be a mortal danger to her people. It's a very complicated situation. Yes, really. We do need aid desperately. In simple terms, we cannot get tired of the situation, because otherwise we will die. And if the world gets tired, they will simply let us die. And given what is happening, this danger that the aid will slow down constitutes a mortal danger to us. For this reason, it cannot but scare us, it cannot support us, and we need any kind of support, even moral. Do you feel that that support has faded? Yes, we do worry, but being worried won't change anything. The thing is, our military counts the shells they need. And when they run out, what happens next? I don't want to even imagine that. Today we are sitting in a warm office, thank God, and the airstrike on Kyiv was repulsed because our air defense forces have enough missiles to take down what flies in. But when they run out, then what? I mean, we count losses every day. And if the help stops, the losses would be impossible to count. That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman, and this podcast was produced by Joe Bidell Brill. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffee House Shops podcast on the iTunes store. 
And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily evening blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week. <laughs>